Welcome to Motivation Insiders, the podcast that explores the way incentive, recognition, and loyalty programs are designed, implemented, and measured. We look at motivation with an exclusive view from, well, the inside. Motivation Insiders is an ongoing podcast designed and produced by the IESP, the Incentive Engagement Solution Providers Group of the IMA. Now, this episode has been funded by our friends and colleagues in the other IMA strategic groups, including the Incentive Gift Card Coalition, a group that provides awareness of gift cards in rewards programs. The Incentive Merchandise to Reward and Appreciate group, comprised of corporate gift card suppliers and manufacturers reps. The Incentive Travel Council that promotes travel rewards and Recognition Professionals International, the leader in workforce recognition. And with that, my name is Tim Houlihan, and I'm your host for Motivation Insiders. We spend a lot of time peering into the future. And though we may not be the only animals on the planet that prepare for things to come, we spend a lot of time being concerned about what might happen next. According to Harvard researchers Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert, About 47% of our waking hours are spent thinking about things that are not happening right now, as in the future. Why is the future so important to us? It's because anticipated regret is one of the biggest motivators in our lives. We don't want to miss out on something wonderful, nor do we want to do something stupid today that will damage our reputation or have a negative impact on our success in the future. Uh, So put it this way, a big source of the motivation for what we do today comes from how we feel about what we think will happen tomorrow. So we decided in this episode to offer up some ideas, ideas from a cross-section of experts in the field who are, as you might imagine, definitely thinking about the future. My guess is that you're already thinking about the future, so why not get a leg up from some experts? Our hope is that they can give your future thinking thoughts a bit more focus, which could help you in your business or your client's business or your personal life. Whichever is the case, let's get started. A good place to kick things off is with some data. Now, to do that, I had a great conversation with Hollis Thornton, the Senior Manager of Partner Development in the Incentives Division at Black Hawk Network. She pointed out some of the tragic numbers we're seeing in the working world right now. New research found that respondents are worried more about gas prices, inflation, and cost of living expenses like groceries, you know, now more than ever. That makes sense, Hollis. So, What does this translate to the reward and recognition industry? What are some of the highlights from your research? We're finding what we're calling inflation compensation will go a long way in increasing employee loyalty. So when we asked what would make them more loyal to their employer, respondents, about 52% of respondents said they'd be more loyal with a higher salary. About 31% said they'd be more loyal if they had the ability to earn bonuses And about 21% said they'd be more loyal if they received a one-time bonus uh, surprise, which we could tie back into like a one-time gas reward or even grocery reward for relief in these economic times. What did employees say about what might help them feel less disenfranchised? So about 18% of respondents in this research that we're talking about are happy at their current jobs, only 18%. 
And of those who are unhappy, nearly 42% would seek out new employment with an employer that does a better job of rewarding, incentivizing, and recognizing them. And then nearly 9 in 10, so about 89% of respondents, reported that it's important their employers recognize them. But then only a quarter of those said that their employer actually even offers a recognition or rewards program. The numbers are staggering, and it's likely they reinforce what you already read in the headlines and see among your client organizations, that the world is changing, and we've got to get on board with it or we'll be left behind. Again, anticipated regret. Observations can be pretty easy to come by. However, solutions, mm, not so much. So I turned to Teresa Harkin-Schultz, the Senior Vice President of Customer Experience and Product Teams at Inspirus. Her leadership helps them develop better employee experiences in the workplace. We started our discussion about what the industry needs to do with Teresa laying out three key elements to pay attention to, starting with how money and funding and good metrics lie at the heart of what's ahead. One is um, from a financial aspect, ensuring that uh, the value of uh, programs and offerings that they have within organizations are demonstrating real value for the business. That real value can be in the form of how it may be saving money, how it may be impacting engagement um, or performance within the organization. Um, so I think from a, a business perspective, it's important that people look at the value that their programs are giving. And if it's not giving value, start looking at what you can change and how to be flexible in that. That's great. The second piece um, that I think really impacts us are the rising expectations of employees. And this goes right into um, our organizations recognizing us as personal, authentic individuals that have a life outside of work. And those two kind of go hand in hand. You've got the rising wages that are happening, you know, for employees. You have employees really looking for organizations that align closely with their values, their sense of purpose, and being able to um, pick an organization that will bring to them the things that they expect. And it's really important, I think, to create that two-way communication, both with com candidates that you may be bringing on board, as well as employees that have been with you in an organization. And Teresa, what's the third item? The last thing that I would bring into this is really personalization. And, you know, for each one of us, um, our situations, our ability to bring our authentic self to work is absolutely critical because when we feel good, we do good work. And it is important uh, that organizations help people find that balance. I think, you know, the pandemic has really opened up um, the ability for organizations to be intentional with their actions. And this will be an opportunity for them to listen to the business, listen to the needs of their organizations and develop flexible practices that can be adapted uniquely for individuals to create success. Because some may need a location preference. Some may need, they need to leave at four o'clock every day 
because they need to focus with their children for the next two hours on homework. But I think all of that creates a better relationship um, with the employee and ultimately their ability to deliver in the workplace. We also heard about this aspect of personalization from Jules Bowersox, the Director of Operations at Ticket Jones. She framed this topic in a very familiar manner. Personalization starts with being personable. As we were discussing before, I think really personal touches mm -hmm. and accessibility are important to people. I think that I talk to so many people who are um, so happy that they can reach us, you know, when they have a question about their award. Uh, because lately it's really difficult to get a hold of a customer service person in any industry. But I think, I think personal touches, personal rewards, care, um, I think that people have just been feeling isolated and kind of cared for. And to pile on to this, I spoke with Lincoln Smith. Now, Lincoln is the chief strategy officer at HMI Performance Incentives, and he chimed in as personalization and program designs lead to better results. And in the B2C space, we see the personalization and the profiling and making sure that we're being appropriate with the communications, the timing of those communications, uh, what types of offers and benefits might be appropriate depending on, you know, those user demographics and profiles. Okay, and quickly, let's jump back to Teresa because she was talking about how important it is for employees to figure out how to be flexible with their employees on an individual basis. But I had a question about that. I asked her how workplaces survive without some sort of consistency. In other words, how do you ensure that there's a personal touch while maintaining a consistent culture and to focus on productivity. Um, I think the other piece is creating consistent habits for people around how they connect with others in their organization, whether it's through team huddles, uh, whether it's uh, through individual one-on-ones, but in that, those meetings have such a powerful opportunity for us to deliver feedback and to ensure that it's both positive and constructive in those conversations, but that we are capitalizing on those moments. Emotion and the ability to empathize with others and their situations and the impact that it has on their personal life or their professional life is very powerful. So you don't want to take emotion out of the workplace? Absolutely not. I want to see it brought to the workplace. Mm -hmm. I think back to kindergarten, Maybe it was a little longer than that. Maybe it was more in the middle school ages, but I remember getting a note card and the teacher would ask you like five questions. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite type of cookie? What do you like to be called? And all of that was the teacher trying to find ways to connect with you. And, and it I, worked. And it worked. <laughs> and I think that's where rewards and recognition, ensuring that they are able to demonstrate value of their programs, that they are promoting connectiveness within the organization, and that they are intentional about the programs and why things are being recognized. Ah, and that wraps back to Hollis's initial comment that we're at the beginning of an era where employees need to feel good about their workplace.
corporate cultures and values are closely linked to the concepts of flexibility and emotion at work. These qualities emerge naturally when they are reinforced by the reward and recognition programs. Lincoln pointed out that the importance of uniting your reward and recognition program with the client's corporate values. Definitely. I think the last few years, uh, you know, personally and corporations have really done, uh, you know, a reflection on, you know, what is their purpose and what is their mission either in life or as an organization and how are they contributing back to society or the environment. And, you know, an incentive and a loyalty program is an unbelievable communication tool and a, uh, a vehicle to really put a megaphone on those corporate values and or purpose. So, you know, Tim, it's, it's really beyond just the communications and just kind of stating whatever those missions are. You can actually use the loyalty or the incentive program to in, uh, encourage or actually have an event or whatever your mission be actually part of the reward experience. This point was also echoed by Juan Manuel Valenzuela, the owner of Above Target. Interestingly, Juan pointed out that an important path to improving the integration of a program with the client's corporate values is through human resources or people experience. It's not just HR, but a more powerful, better informed HR leadership team that can demonstrate financial value. Uh, we really need the human resources department of our clients or, or of our corporations to play a really more strategical role to get involved in the business. How can you have the right person at the right position if you don't fully understand the uh, your company's business team. It's uh, um, how can you get someone to solve the financial challenges of the company if you don't understand them yourself? So I think, I, I really believe that the second most important uh, person in an organization be, uh, below the CEO is the um, is the CHRO because of that he needs to be aware where the company is going in order to have the people to take the company there and he needs to deeply understand it. The world is complex and dynamic. And it's not like the world is going to stop long enough for us to jump off and fix that one thing that's really challenging our organization. We have to make changes in real time and with everything else happening simultaneously. In my conversations with the experts, all of them address the need to keep business going, not just business as usual. And while this may sound familiar, Julia Barbier-Leblanc reiterated its importance in a world that is truly global, where not just the largest companies have employees and contractors in different countries, all of them do. Now, Julie is the CEO and founder of Merit Incentives. Let's hear from her. Everything is global and not only enterprise clients, because before you thought about global for 1,000 plus employee company, you know, like that have different offices all over the world. But now I can be a tech startup, have 50 employees, 
10 in the UAE, 5 in France, 20 in India, uh, and uh, 1 in Thailand. And I need to give them the same employee benefits. I need to give them the same opportunity and I need to create a culture in my company. So global is not an option, it's a reality. And our industry needs to catch up, but in a way that we make it affordable. Uh, people want to have a, a choice of an array of possibilities. Not only, you know, it's not only about redemption option like uh, gift cards or merchandise or mobile top-up or travel and experience. Uh, engagement rate as well, I think. We, we need to reach that level where you have, first of all, self-serving, self self-onboarding. Um, you have this connectivity. You have uh, visibility of your budget. You control the budget and you get access to data. Flexibility, personalization, global presence. These are all familiar themes, but the experts remind us that the viewpoint we adopt to examine these problems becomes highly influential in how we solve for them. Another theme I heard from the experts is that the future can play out more successfully if we lessen the emphasis on individual transactions by using a wider lens or looking at the bigger picture. First, let's hear from Juan. We drastically need to uh, cut the transactionality of our programs. We are to use to, uh, you do this, you get that. So uh, it's like a contract on which uh, everyone does his part and that's, and that's it. And we need to push that through collaboration, through uh, relationship making, through genuinely care about uh, your workforce or about your dealers mm -hmm. or about uh, whoever participant we have on our programs. Yeah. Next on this theme, I spoke with Peter Friend, founder and CEO of Global Hotel Card, which is now called Powered by Expedia. Peter's comments challenge leaders to be less transactional, especially with their reward selection. Well, I think what we have to do is become less transactional. Mm -hmm. And when, again, when I got into the industry, not to go back too far, but uh, uh, you know, 10 years ago, behavioral science, which you are an expert in, was very well represented. But the real deep science of motivating behavior has kind of disappeared in our industry, which I think is unfortunate. Mm. And I think that one of the reasons is because the big players in our industry over the last five, six, seven, eight years have bought a lot of companies. And they've repositioned those companies uh, to become transactional, become digital, invested in the technology, but have not invested in programs and motivational behavior and the academics of what we're trying to do. Let's just say that I couldn't agree more with Peter. Infusing behavioral science into the design of programs will likely lead to better results. And continuing with this theme of reduced transactionality, Lincoln challenges us to take a longer term view of both programs and the organization. Yeah, as far as program design is concerned, you know, what we're seeing is that there's just a larger or uh, a, a, a bigger emphasis on looking long-term rather than just short-term. 
Now, of course, short-term initiatives and campaigns can be chunked uh, within a loyalty or an incentive strategy, but really having the North Star being a little bit further out is a trend in kind of thinking about all of the key behaviors and activities and communications that are ultimately going to, you know, enhance the business results and that relationship and that brand preference is really, again, looking more long-term versus, you know, the quick spiffs, do this, get that type of uh, a, a strategy. Maybe with more than two years of being jerked this way and that, with one change requiring the undoing of the last one and just being worn out from so many urgent situations, the end of the pandemic is allowing us to pull back, to be more considered and to think more strategically. Let's take advantage of it. The last major theme that came up was about the international infrastructure for rewards. Now, several of the experts noted that regardless of the size of the organization, employees and contractors can live and work from anywhere. The truly international nature of the workforce has yet to be successfully addressed by the reward and recognition industry, and it remains an unsolved problem. These voices help us frame the challenges ahead. First, let's hear from Julie. I think it's not missing. I think we were struggling. I'm not blaming anyone. I think we went a long way. It was very offline, the global aspect, multi-currency, multi-language, uh, multi-jurisdiction. The banking system even is not suitable for our industry. You cannot transfer money fast enough to have real-time redemption. Next, we hear from VG Kanan, the head of regional partnerships and financial services clients at You Got a Gift. VG has been breaking down barriers for some time and recognizes that some of the challenges the industry faces are bound up in global monetary policies. That said, she encourages us not to be so accepting of the status quo. Frankly, it's not working. Okay. But today I understand that the minute I get a card from my IP address and I try to buy that, it would stop. Yeah. The, the transaction, the redemption wouldn't go through. So is there a way if the customer, I understand, I do understand the uh, uh, AMI issues and stuff, but is there a way we can wor work around if the customer is verified? So this is one thing I would want to know because uh, internationally now, you know, we've all learned that sitting in any corner of the world, you could order or work, right? So this could be a fantastic, if you could come up with an idea or solve this issue, I think there's a lot of business opportunities. But as you said, the question coming back to challenges would be to understand more around the regulatory things. What, how does it pan to? Like mm -hmm. we would look uh, look at adding international catalogs because Middle East, a lot of uh, uh, you know customers do travel from Middle East to uh, US, UK, and other parts of the world. So how can we get your gift cards in that region? So the international viewpoint can be beneficial for all of your clients, even if they don't have offices outside of their home country. It can happen with individual workers and the implications for reward redemption. Well, they're all significant and they need to be addressed. I have to tell you that the last common theme that I heard from the experts was one of optimism. 
Everyone believed that not only can we do better, but we will do better. So let's wrap this up on a high note with a little acknowledgement from Julie. No, I think it, it's, we are in an, in an amazing industry because we, at the end of the day, we make people happy, right? And we are there to reward them, to tell them they do a good job or that they are a loyal customer. So, so I think it's an amazing uh, job what we are, mm-hmm. we are doing. Thanks for checking out this episode of Motivation Insiders. This podcast is a co-production of the IMA, IESP, and Behavioral Grooves. I'm your host, Tim Houlihan, and thank you for listening to Motivation Insiders. We heard from some terrific experts in this episode, and if you'd like to be in touch with them, their information is available in the episode notes. And while you're there, we hope you check out the other episodes. Thanks for listening. Okay.